So I feel bad for Odo. I don't know why. Because he has an unrequited love that he can never requite. Oh, that's what an unrequited love. I mean, I mean, I don't know if he can never requite it. Maybe he can. How could he? He doesn't have working parts. He can fabricate working parts. Loboxana Troy didn't care. I like this episode. I think it's... These it's, were both good episodes, but... It's very understated. And uh, interestingly enough, it was actually the original conception for this episode. This is Crossfire. Uh, was that they wanted to base this on The Bodyguard, the movie with uh, Kevin oh, Costner God. and Whitney Houston. <laughs> and, and Odo was going to have to come down to making a choice, you know, between uh, protecting, you know, his, 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 uh, 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 protecting Shakar, his professionalism versus saving the woman he loves, yeah. Kira. And they decided that that was not the direction to go in, which I think is the right way to go. You know, I don't I don't know exactly how I feel about this whole Odo has an unrequited love for Kira thing. I think it works well enough, and I think one of the reasons it works is that Renee Abergenois is, is very good at selling it. Yeah. But how do you feel about it? I mean, it hasn't bothered me. I, I, I don't necessarily – I'm not interested in this kind of a plot as a rule. Um. Because you don't care about straight people's happiness. Or people's happiness in general, yeah. Sure. But I mean, no, like an unrequited romance will there or won't we, they plot, like is whatever to me. Um, this is about probably the best that I've seen it. You know, I'm glad that it isn't, you know, what they're doing every single week. Although, you know, I wonder after this week if this is then going to be kind of the theme, but... No, not really. I mean, okay. I, I, this is this has not become a soap opera. Um, and I'm, but I mean, that's fine that it you know it does keep it as a. I mean, this show definitely goes more into character and you know what they're doing in terms of relationship than you know Next Gen did, and so I mean, this is a fine plot for them to go. I mean, to have this you know these strong feelings and this feeling developing, and you know, obviously. There is going to be another development in this further on. I mean, you know, I, I, I don't know where this plot is going to go, but this is not the end of it, for example. No, yeah, absolutely. And I think that that's something that you see in Deep Space Nine, you know, to a large degree. There are threads and things that are get picked up, you know, here and there. I mean, we'll talk about Return to Grace in a little while, and that is kind of a follow-up to, to indiscretion yeah. from the earlier part of the fourth season. But, you know, one of the things that I that I want to talk about with Crossfire is is Odo. And specifically, I think how Odo presents himself to his friends and the people on the station and, and sort of the Federation of Bajoran personnel and Odo's internal life and his his feelings and emotions and what he is wanting out of life and what he expects. Because, you know, this episode starts out with Odo, you know, in this cute little scene where he's sort of getting ready for someone and we don't know who it is and he's in his office and he's ordering Ractagino and we know it's not for him because Odo doesn't eat or drink. He sets it down, you know, he's he's adjusting it, um, which also kind of feeds in very nicely into the Odo and Worf conversation later. You know, everything needs to be in the right place and then he sits down and, you know, here comes Kira. And it was part of everything being in the right place, too. Yes, absolutely. I mean, the very fact that they have this standard, you know, set meeting every week at the same time and she does the same thing every yeah, week. And, which you know. they end, you know, which she even admits, you know, later on, like, you know, we don't really need to have this meeting, but it's really nice part of the week, you know. Yeah. Well, like, you know, for example, um, you know, we're, we're doing uh, uh, the new season of Trek About Presents right now. And, you know, we, we talked about my dinner with Andre last week or the week before. 
And one of the things that I that, that you said during that conversation was was sort of this podcast is one of the rituals of our friendship. And yeah. this kind of, you know, the, the meeting where they go over the report yeah. is kind of one of the rituals of Kieran Odo's friendship. You know, but but what I yeah, think which it, is where the ending comes in, you know, the fact that, you know, when he cancels the meeting, it is a, you know, scuttling that ritual is an attempt to scuttle the friendship. Yeah. I think it's less an attempt to scuttle the well, friendship it, and more an attempt at Odo trying to regain some some sense of order and control over his own internal feelings. Well, by scuttling the yeah, that that's fair, but yeah, but but you know we'll we'll get to that because I think it's a very good scene for both of them, and I think that Kira does. You know this this is probably the moment when Kira starts to realize. Yeah, because I mean, one of the things that like. I would say Kira really sells being oblivious to this and, uh, 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 um, you know, every, every, every time Odo says, you know, mention something about food, everyone almost reflexively says, well, you know, you don't eat or drink. Um, I, I've said this before. I think Kira doesn't see Odo as a possible romantic partner largely because, you know, yes, because they feel brotherly sisterly towards the, each other from her mind, but, you know – she doesn't know. She almost doesn't even seem to think that he can have a sexuality, and therefore she doesn't think yeah. that he can. I mean, and yeah, that's and, really... and so it does. It doesn't feel like she's insulting him because you know that's. I would almost feel like her not having romantic interest in him is a form of respect from her. Well, I mean, I think that there's a there's a degree to which you know Kira's own feelings about Odo. Yeah. I mean, she obviously loves him to to, yeah. to some degree in a friendly way, and you know, I, I don't know if I necessarily want to go down the road of well, Kira is stopping herself from falling in love with Odo because mm. it's respectful to Odo because that's a little strange. No, no, no. Think, but I mean, I think when you meet people, you kind of slot them into you know potential or not. You know, you meet somebody who's sexuality is different from them you just slot them into the all right the, you know the, that's not going to happen you know I, I guess i mean i think that, that that where i want to take that is i think that kira is picking up on odo's own really his his own pronouncements on the matter i mean yeah. odo has kind of put himself in the, in this predicament because you know if you remember like the, the the in the second episode of deep space nine that we ever talked about the episode started with Odo giving that monologue about how he doesn't understand why humanoids yeah. want romantic relationships. And, you know, you want to do one thing and your partner wants to do something else. And then it ends up with you having a completely yeah, different yeah, yeah. evening than you wanted. And, you know, that was one of the sort of early defining moments for Odo. And it really does paint him as someone that is the outsider and someone who perhaps is not interested in the same sorts of interpersonal relationships that the rest of the cast is and was. But and, and he's really projected that out there. I mean, he he sure. he has said that over and over again. And so, in, in a certain sense, this is of Odo's own making in a way. Yeah. And 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 in a certain sense, it's almost like Odo needs to come out to people as someone who now has these romantic feelings. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah, I I, I do. Um, but at the same time, we have seen Odo changing. Uh, the. For other people and allowing more people into his life than he did at the beginning of the series. I mean, certainly, I think he and Kira got closer. Um, he's made overtures to Garrick. You know, he's he, he has this you know sort of friendship with, with 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 Quark, and you know, in this episode, he's starting to become really good friends with Worf too. I would. I, that's a little bit of a stretch, I would say. But but well, I think, you know, they, they, I, I, the two of them when they're talking, I'm like, oh my god, they're going to be best friends now because like they both like view the world the same way. 
they both want to sit glowerly in a dark room. Exactly. Like they, they just they're they're both equally antisocial. Yeah, I think that I mean that's a really interesting scene in, in juxtaposition of this episode. And and one of the ways in which Crossfire works really well is all of the different plots and all of the different scenes really do sort of hit the same emotional points, which is that Odo is someone who doesn't want people around. Odo is someone who uh, needs a level of control and order in his own personal life and his own uh, his own social life to really feel like he's happy. And I think that what is starting to happen with him, especially with his unrequited love for Kira, is he is starting to hit the limits of that. And he hmm. is someone, I think, in a way who is dealing with feelings of of not loneliness necessarily because I don't think that he's lonely but I think that he is wanting to connect with other people and that's a new feeling for him well I, I mean one of the different you know we talked a little bit about the differences between data and Odo for example and data very much wanted to be human um you know Odo says humanoid but you know they're essentially the same thing um and Odo is extremely disdainful of humanoids for most of you know the run as we've been you know, saying him you know him getting quarters and him not sleeping in the bucket and you know getting furniture and all of this and going with the as he's done at the it, that was the beginning of this season or uh, I think late it was last late season. last season yeah either way that is him trying to embrace the humanoid experience a little more. And so while I don't know if he was necessarily lonely, I think he's at a point where love and affection and, fe- you know, these feelings of closeness towards another person is something that he's starting to allow himself to feel. Part of it is he wants to distance himself from the changelings, and so he is doing, you know... Falling in love with Kira is something a changeling would never do, but at the same time, uh, he is growing beyond what he was. Well, yeah, I think that's a really good point, and I, I'm glad you said that because I do think it's very, very connected that Odo didn't start expanding his social sphere. He didn't take quarters. You know, he still yeah. he still sleeps uh, uh, in his gelatinous state or whatever. I mean, I don't know if they sleep, but you know, he's kind of spreading himself out. It's a hibernating state, a power the, down state. Whatever. Right. Like, we don't know if he's unconscious, but you know, but, but sort of like he's, he's allowing himself to just sort of like spread out in the room instead of containing himself in a bucket. Yeah. Almost and, like in the sense it's flexing versus, you know, relaxing even. <laughs> and, and what I find really, really intriguing about that is, is really the point that that really starts to happen is, you know, shortly after he be, he becomes in contact with his yeah. people and he realizes that, you know, Odo to a, to a large degree is a person that is is in a completely new culture. Now, he didn't know his own his own culture, but he is adapting to the culture in which he finds himself. I think because, you know, Odo in the past could have had a a hope that he was going to find his people and yeah. he was going to return to them and he didn't need to feel comfortable he didn't in, set up in roots this, in the right. humanoid world because, because he, in his mind at one at some some day he was going to find his people and he was going to go off and live with them and he didn't have to deal with any yeah. of this humanoid federation Bajoran, cardassian bullshit anymore and you know now he realizes that his people are diametrically opposed to, to everything he believes in and he does not want to go back to them he can't go back to them essentially yeah he and ha- so so he is now having to put roots in his adopted culture yeah he can't be ironically enough he can't be who he is with his own people 
who are based around changing into whatever they want to be, frankly. Um, the only place where he does feel that he can maybe put down roots and be himself is on a Federation-operated station. So, Well, and I also think that, that you know, Odo, that's where he lives. I mean, yeah, I think but, that- but at the same time, it's uh, – and again, this was a theme that started in the third season. It's where he lives, but it's also now becoming his home. Yes, Yes, and he doesn't want to leave. I mean, he, you know, to to uh, uh, whatever credit he he can give himself, or whatever credit you can give the other characters, or you know, he is getting getting attached to some of these people. Yeah, you know, he does love some of them. He likes some of them. I think he feels comfortable there. He's obviously very good at his job. I think the Federation values him for his knowledge yeah. of the changelings, as and, we saw it last week in the two-parter, uh, Homefront and Paradise Lost. And so there are things about his yeah. life that are good, and I think he's and, just starting to get established. Yeah, he and he, I think he's realizing he wouldn't have that in the Dominion. No, no. no. I mean, he would be uh, – essentially, I mean, we don't know what the Great Link is like, but essentially it's some sort of melding of thought yeah. and emotion. And it – I mean – in, in a certain way, the changelings are a variation on the Borg. Yeah, but they're you know it's one consciousness that we. I mean, we don't know how far it can be divided. If we cut Odo in half, you know, could each could those be two sentient you know separate halves? Because it's implied, you know, is there a minimum amount that can be a sentient changeling? We don't. Yeah, you is know, it like you need you need you know fifty grams? Of- yeah, if you have any less than you know, if you have any less than that, is not is it not going to be you know, able, is it not going to be animated or, you know, can it, you know, because obviously, you know, we see Odo can change size as well as shape. Yeah. So, but to a degree, I don't think that matters, of course, unless they, I I don't know if we want to suddenly get into his Odo and Earthworm essentially, but. I mean, I don't know that there's much to do there, but I think that, you know, let's wrap it around to kind of the, the, the meat of the episode, which is the visit by Shakar and and Kira and him starting to hook up and fall in love. And, you know, on the one hand, I think it's all fine. And I think Kira always gets relationships that perhaps don't make a ton of sense. I I don't know why she would suddenly fall in love with Shakar, but okay. Um, I think that's kind of, you know, but. Bringing us to the next episode, not to talk too much, but I think Gold Ducat calls her on that, you know? Yeah. There's a point where he says, well, first Vedic Baral, and now, you know, Shakar, you know, you like powerful men, why not me? You know, and obviously we will talk about what the hell is going on with Ducat and Kira, but... Nothing. (laughs) Nothing is going on with that. No, and I think this episode is kind of making that, you know, this that episode makes it, you know, clear what's their quote-unquote relationship is going to be but but there's something very adolescent about yes. Odo's infatuation with Kira and I think you know it's interesting because because Rene Aubergenois um you know did say you know on the subject of filming this episode that you know he did go back to you know actors in general you know when, when they have to emote or when they have to yeah. to, to to establish a s- sort of specific emotion or something like that or, or a mood you know, you tend to go back to to childhood or adolescence because that's when everything feels new. And yeah. That, that, you know, you're getting these new experiences. You're feeling these new emotions. And that's, you know, new things are always kind of imprinted on your memory much stronger than the 15th time or the 20th time yeah, that yeah, you've yeah. done something. And so, you know, he, he kind of approached, you know, playing Odo in this episode as a, a teenager who's a little bit infatuated with someone and realizing it, which I think is a, is an interesting way to go. And it does nicely juxtapose 
the relationship that Kira and Shakar are starting to develop in this episode because, you know, Kira at the beginning is very adamant about the fact that she would never think about Shakar that way. You know, this is a man who saw her, yeah. you know, she says not showered for weeks at a time and, you know, all these kind of things. And there are people that know each other too well to perhaps actually, you know, bridge that gap and, and yeah. create a new relationship. But Shakar seems to want it and Kira kind of falls into it. And you kind of contrast that with Odo, who this is really his first time dealing with any sort of romantic, you know, feelings. And it's very, very different than than what Shakar and Kira are developing. Yeah, I mean, I think that Shakar is genuine about his feelings for Kira. I don't think there's anything untoward or, you know, manipulative in that. But at the same time, I don't know if the show quite wants us to like the two of them. Like, this isn't supposed to be like a, oh, good for them, necessarily. Like, I I don't know. It doesn't seem like the best idea. I I don't know. I don't think that any of Kira's relationships ever seem like the best idea. That just may be, yeah. You know, I don't don't know if... I mean, relationships in general on the show don't really seem like a good idea. Well, I think that it's it's hard to establish a guest star like this, even one that does, you know, I mean, Shakar's only been in the show twice at this point. And Vedic Ryle, you know, he's dead now. But, uh, you know, he had been in the show, you know, a few times, five or six times over the course of, you know, the first three seasons. And, you know, it is hard to establish a a romantic relationship with a main character and a guest star, even if they do come back from time to time. You know, especially with Shakar, it really seems to come out of nowhere. He seems even like a different character in this episode. I mean, he's much more muted. He's much more quiet. He's got a different haircut that makes him look like a little boy. You know, and so it it doesn't... Yeah, it's the kind of thing where it may make... I could see a version of this episode that's going into more Shakar himself feeling out of place and not really comfortable with this particular kind of power that he has. Again, you know, we saw some of Kira dealing with that, you know, a year ago I was, you know, in a cave. But and, I don't you know, know if that would be it. interesting. Do you know what I mean? Like, but, we don't, but, I mean, we don't go, have any investment in Shakara as a character. But at that point, no, uh, no, but it, it would help explain his relationship to her because, you know, yeah, maybe he doesn't really see her as anybody other than, you know, somebody he fought with, somebody he was very close to, but, you know, still somebody that, you know, and at this point, you know, she is the one familiar tie to, you know, that past where he's comfortable with. So, I mean, he's displacing those feelings and, you know, confusing them for, you know, oh, I'm in love with Kiri, you know, and I, I, I wonder if, I mean, there, again, part of Ducat's, you know, teasing of her implies that, you know, she's, a little bit caught up in the celebrity and glamour of, you know, the first minister. And, you know, even, you know, yes, she has feelings of closeness to him, but it's kind of more just, she just seems caught up and excited in something, you know, for this episode. And I guess my problem with, with Kira's romantic relationships is is always that she never really seems like she's making a, like she, yeah. she never really seems like she might as much agency in these relationships. No, like, it just seems like someone comes by with a flashy car and she's like, all right, cool, you know, and but I mean, here's the thing, you know, here's the thing. We talked about Dax and, you know, whether Dax is the kind of person who's going to throw everything away for love. And, you know, after she's done it twice, you know, we find out that's the kind of person she is. You know, maybe that's just her pattern and maybe Kira's pattern is she, you know, doesn't necessarily. I mean, 
this is, you know, a trope. She's not seeing, you know, Odo, who's, you know, right there, and she's going off with the flashy guy. Right. I don't know if this show is necessarily going into that avenue, but at the same time, that could just be what she likes in a boyfriend. It, it could be, and I think that, I think that, um... I mean, you know, to, not, not for nothing, but Kira does feel, is fairly civic-minded, and, you know, it would make sense that she would, you know... Would val- fuck the prime minister no, because would, she's civic-minded? Would value, you know... Gov- I, yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> ah, that's a weird tangent. Uh, well, you know, it's like, like I like food, so I did a candy If you support guy. the government, you should have sex <laughs> with the prime minister. Okay. Well, I think uh, we're talking about... Uh, what's his name in Canada, right? Trudeau? I, I, yeah, well, my, my other thing about this episode, too, is, you know, Kira is very established, especially in this episode, that she pays attention to Odo. Oh, like, yeah. Like, she, you know, she mentions the thing about the belt. Yeah. That, that actually Rene Bergeron-Noir really liked from the, the first uh, uh, Mirror Universe episode from the second season, and he started wearing it, and then he decided it was a little too Buck Rogery <laughs> and decided to stop wearing it, and then she noticed it. You know, so little things like that that even, you know, the show is not afraid to, uh, you know, make a point of things that the audience may not I was going to say, noticed. I didn't even notice that. Yeah, and so I think it really does show that Kira pays attention to Odo, but, and that gives Odo, obviously, false hope that Kira is, is secretly wanting to get into his pants. <laughs> um, I, I think my my question, and, and I don't know if this is a road I want to go down, but but why not, is why is Odo heterosexual and i know why odo was heterosexual i know why odo was falling in love with kira but to this to the degree in which odo doesn't have a gender i don't know it could be just as easily him falling in love with quark well (sighs) i think that this episode may say that they I mean, not they're not in love. No, but, but they're definitely, you know, and, and they they are. Maybe this episode is kind of they fight like an old married couple. <laughs> I, I wonder if this episode though is is dealing with that, you know, because it is dealing, you know, maybe they aren't going to explicitly address the question why is Odo heterosexual, but at the same time, you know, while while obviously his expressions, you know, of affection with Quark are very different and this is the closest they get to being you know vulnerable enough to be sincere with this each other in this episode well yeah because you've got that scene where where Odo you know once he saves um he he saves them falling down the turbo lift yeah you know from the true way attack and uh uh you know which which is funny because the the I think the director the writer of the episode had a had a real problem with Odo kind of turning into Superman in that episode <laughs> and I never really I mean whatever it's fine they don't do it that much so it's it's okay but you know, and then and then he finds out that Chakara spent the night, or Kira spent the night in Chakara's quarters, and that he gets really upset, and he goes back to his quarters, and he's you know, breaking things, and he's knocking things over, and Quark comes up, and of course it's the payoff yeah. from the beginning of the episode where Quark comes to Odo's office to make the noise complain, and he sort of, you know, he he's there when Odo is very vulnerable, and Odo is sort of pushing him away, and and I think that's where you really see yeah. that they do care about each other and, in a strange way. I I don't I mean you know you talk about you know. Kira notices Odo. Well, Quark notices Odo. He immediately picks up that Odo feels this way about Kira. He's the only one who seems to yeah. realize this, you know, but it's very obvious. Yes, it is yeah. very obvious. And I think also, you know, I don't think it's incidental that Quark is coming to 
Odo's quarters, you know, in his pajamas. And, I mean, you know, and I love Quark's pajamas, by the way. <laughs> but no, I mean, you know, that that is true, you know. Not, not because, you know, it's a sexual thing, but more because it, it, it shows a level of intimacy and vulnerability. Well, well, it goes both ways. Yeah. Quark is, you know, showing up in a in an outfit that he probably wouldn't show most people. And uh, Odo's letting him into his quarters, which he doesn't do. Yeah. And also and also he doesn't even even seem to, to really register that that Quark is seeing him when he's so disheveled. Yeah. I mean, his quarters are in disarray. He's got his hair messed up. I mean, there are things about him that, you know, he never lets anybody see himself that way. Yeah. I mean, that's and the Quark most essentially at- has to kind of talk, like shake him and talk him out of it. I think that's the only time we've seen Odo with a hair out of place. You yeah. know, it was actually surprising that he had hair. Well, it's uh, it's funny too because uh, that was an improvisation that Rene Bruchonwald d- huh. did, and uh, apparently the writing staff were not pleased about it. Well, I could see because uh, I'm like, did he make it? You know, but- yeah, yeah, it's a little, you know. Um, and then I guess the final thing to talk about before we move on to, to return to Grace is that you know that final scene with Odo and Kira, where you know yeah. you say that that Odo is is essentially rejecting their friendship. I think it's a little less than well, that. Well, it, it, it's not that he wants to reject the it's 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 a dumb move that he's making to stop himself from being hurt, but he just feels like you know. And again, another very adolescent. It's it's an adolescent action, yes. but basically, like you know. I can't stop, you know, feeling that I'm, you know, because, you know, yeah, Quark basically tells him, like, look, you know, you got to make a decision. You got to do something, you know, and, you know, it's almost a misdirection. We think that that's Odo coming to tell Kira, like, look, I feel this way about you, you know, when he says we have to talk about something. But the fact that he's saying we can't be friends anymore, you know, I don't want to see you, you know, I'll be okay. Again, that's like a fourteen-year-old, you know, dealing yeah. with his first crush, and but it's a heartbreaking thing, you know. Because, and I mean, you know, we've talked about Kira doesn't seem to realize this. This is coming out of kind of nowhere for her, and you know, the only thing, you know, and and I think she's. I mean, th- well, yeah, you, you can make the argument that that one of two ways, and I think you know, uh, Nana well, Visitor plays this scene very well because I could definitely. I, I'm. I mean, I'm definitely of the of the opinion that the penny drops for Kira in that yeah. scene and she she's she's starting to realize that Odo has feelings for her that go beyond friendship. I well yeah, I think she's beginning to make the connection that this is happening just after she gets together with, you know, the timing is not lost on her. Yeah. Yeah, and I think also that that she for the first time is starting to realize well, she's starting to realize a few things. She's starting to realize that not only does Odo uh, desire a romantic relationship, yeah. have romantic feelings because she thought that it was all mm-hmm. just silly. You know, I mean, it's a little on the nose, but they did have that conversation earlier where she basically said that to him, where she was like, even this must all seem so silly to yeah, you yeah, yeah. that we want to make love and, but you know, and, and then she's also realizing that not only does Odo have those feelings, but he has them specifically for her. Yeah. You know, there, there's a couple things going on there and, you know, I don't know where this is going to go, but, it's a it's an interesting episode kind of where it kind of resets that relationship yeah i mean i'll put it this way i i don't think that shakar and kira are gonna end up together at the end of the series um (laughs) i'm so surprised right um unless you know she needs to be the second minister by getting married you know unless there's but no no they're not gonna end up as a happy couple what odo and kira are gonna end up i don't know i mean this is obviously 
not the end of the two of them. And, yes. you know, she's going to, it's going to come up again. But Well, and, you know, the other thing, too, that, that it makes me realize is that, you know, we talked in The Way of the Warrior, the, the fourth season premiere a few weeks ago, that um, it would have been a really interesting choice for, for the show to bring Troy on as a main character. Yeah. And I can definitely see a, a, a way in which Troy would have worked really well in this episode because I think Odo would have wanted to... I don't think that Odo would definitely be comfortable with going to see a counselor, but I think that Troy could have played a very interesting role in this episode. Yeah. You know, making Odo deal with his emotions in a, in a way. But and, especially interesting considering, number one, that uh, Odo may, you know, oh, oh, her mother isn't Odo, number one. And yeah. Considering, number two, that she can't read his emotions. That is true. Yeah, that is true. So I think it, it's one of those things that, that makes me realize that, you know, perhaps you know, DS9 not having a counselor, you know, while it's, yeah. it's, it's not a bad thing, I think it, it, at certain points it does make the episodes go in a different direction than perhaps they would have on yeah. TNG, which is probably why they don't have a counselor. Yeah, but, you know. <laughs> um, all right, well, let's move on to Return to Grace. So I found this one to be a hell of an episode, too. I mean, you said the last one was kind of resetting the status quo in some ways. This is as well. This is taking Ducat in a very interesting direction. Um, and one, I, and also, I mean, it's putting Ducat's daughter on the station. That's another big change, too. Yeah, I think that, you know, I don't want to overstate the, uh, yeah, the, the, I, the change. I mean, she's not... She's not going to be main cast, right. I figured. But at the same time, this is not the end of... Ducat's campaign is going to be a major subplot now. Well, I think the show is doing something very, very subtle with Ducat. I think that it is trying to humanize him and yeah. it's been trying to humanize him for a couple of seasons now, while at the same time not ignoring and not letting the audience forget that that at his core, I think he's a very, very evil man. Mm. You know, and Kira is really key to that, I think, because you saw that in Indiscretion where where Kira was very adamant about the fact that that while she can view Dukat as a person, she's never going to forget what yeah. he did during the occupation. I mean, essentially to her, she is Hitler. Mm-hmm. He is Hitler, not she is Hitler. And in this episode as well, she is very, very clear that you know, and as it becomes increasingly clear that, you know, Odo is not the only person in Kira's life that has unrequited love for Kira. Well, yeah. It, it also makes it clear that Kira is never going to entertain that. And while I think that Kira, you could, there, you know, you can make the argument that because in the previous episode, Kira has started to realize Odo has feelings for her that she's also realized that Dukat harbors some sort of well, conquestual, you know, feelings it's very, for her as know, well. That's the thing with, um, I, 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 you know, I said earlier the relationship, they have a very interesting dynamic. I think there's a degree to which Dukat doesn't even know what exactly he wants from Kira. He is fascinated by her. It's, it's true. I think he's expressed that in flirting in a romantic way, but it, that's not exactly what, you know, just as I said earlier, you know, I, I, I think she's, you know, you know, Kira may be a little starstruck by, you know, the private, he's finding the, the section, you know, the, the, the key scene for me is when his daughter is talking to her, talking to Kira yeah. and, um, you know, she says, you know, my, my father, he is haunted by what he's done, you know, and all of that. And Kira doesn't seem to, you know, 
care that much. You know, obviously his daughter is going to be much more sympathetic to her. But she says something like, well, you know, he figured you'd understand because you did things in the war that, you know, you didn't – you wouldn't necessarily do in peacetime. And that I think is very key for what Dukat sees in Kira mm-hmm. because Dukat is looking in Kira – you know, again, maybe he thinks it's a romantic thing, but he's actually looking for redemption. He has yeah. decided that she is the person who can absolve him from what he's done. And, you know, obviously she's, you know, refusing to do that. Which I think is a, uh, I think that's really true. And, yeah. and, I, and I think, it's, I mean, he's being an idiot about it. There's a lot of, I mean, there are a few scenes even in this episode where it seems the two of them are actually starting to have an actual conversation. And, and then he blows it by flirting with her or by saying something dumb, you know, or being really super Cardassian. And, well, I, I think that there's a, there's a, there's a real argument to be made that, Gal Dukat is a sociopath. I mean, you know, a sociopath is someone who basically has no empathy for anyone else. And I think that you need to be, you don't, you certainly don't need to be a sociopath to to be a Cardassian during the occupation, but it helps. Yeah, and you certainly need to be a sociopath to be a Nazi, but it helped. Uh, you know, and so for me, and what, even what if I, you aren't, you know, clinically a sociopath, or that's who you were and outside, I think it is very possible in times of war to act as in a sociopathic manner, or at least to switch over to that kind of a mindset as a survival. Team. Well, there's a way that you yeah. disassociate. Yes. Yeah. I, I think that the, the, the key to Ducat is to look at all of the different relationships that he's shown to have on the show. And what I, what I keep coming down to, and I think that it really crystallized for me in this episode about, about his daughter, Torziel, is that there is no one in his life to which he actually feels any sort of compassion or love yeah. or anything. I don't think he loves his children. I don't think he loves his wife. I don't think he actually loves Kira. I don't think he loved any of his Bajoran mistresses. I don't think he cared that he was killing Bajorans yeah. during the occupation. I don't think he cared that he just murdered all those Klingons, which I think is also a very key scene for this realization. Because everybody in his life has a very specific purpose and it's all to mm. do certain things to, to, you know, rise his station or not rise his station. You know, Torres uh, uh is his vehicle. You know, he's lavishing attention and love on Torres and, and spinning out these tales about how he feels so haunted about what he did during the yeah. Bajoran occupation because I, I don't even think he has a plan in mind, but I just think that it's, it's establishing something for when Kira is involved and Torziel is going to be telling Kira that he's haunted, and you know Torziel is the vehicle by which Ducat is trying to get some some uh, 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 absolution s- from 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 you, Kira. You see, no nothing redeeming in him, do you? No, I don't. That's interesting. Like, because you know, this is one of those ep- during a lot of this episode, I was waiting for the penny to drop and it all to be revealed that this was Ducat's plan to – and no, it just turns out that situations are in a way that you know he is able to – you know he's Gul Ducat. He can work with a situation very easily. He sees an opportunity, but um, I don't know. I, I, I think he is not a good person and I think he is a person who's done some horrible things and he's a person who doesn't know how to be a better person. But at the same time, I think he has that desire. Now, whatever that is worth, that's not worth what, much, what certainly. What makes you think that, though? I, I, I just I, – I, I don't see it. I just there, – there, because I guess at the end of Because this, it's Star Trek? A little bit because it's Star Trek, yes, and because I, – I, I mean 
why is he if all he wanted was you know he does something at the end he basically becomes a vigilante because you know to do what he thinks is right he's going against his government what and and you know this entire time Goldicott's thing has been, you know, well, I want to get my position back, and you know, he's yes, very and a into- lack of respect for authority is certainly not a sociopathic tendency. No, no, no. Well, number one, when the authority is the Cardassians, and number two, um, again, I don't think it's him. I, I don't necessarily agree with his choice at the end. Although I think it's interesting that that might be a choice that the Klingons would respect. Uh, maybe. I don't know. What, what, you know, the, a Klingon wouldn't say, well, this man is going against, you know, everything and giving everything up for a crusade he believes in. You know, he's going to die an honorable warrior's death. I mean, that. Yeah, that, sure. I think from a Klingon point of view, Gold Dukat does. Well, learn. I don't think that the Klingons make things personal. And I think that, that, that what you see here is that Gold Dukat is making everything personal and essentially he's making it very personal because he's making everything about himself. Of course. I mean, and I think that's the, that's the, the, no, the Gold through Dukat line. loves himself more than anything. Yeah. Yeah, and that, again, and I think that's, again, why he's a sociopath. I mean, I think the show has clearly demonstrated at this point that the only thing Gold Dukat ever really cares about is protecting himself. And you see that time and time again. That's the through line for the entire arc of Dukat but again, so far then, then why, in this three and a half seasons of the show. Then, I mean, he let, the he he... Uh, uh, he was instrumental in wanting to leave Bajor because he realized that it was time for him to go because he didn't want to be there anymore. I think that, you know, if you look at the ways in which he has come back to Deep Space Nine, it's it's to gloat and, and sort yeah. of self-aggrandize himself course, and get know, him in positions of power in the Cardassian government. Attention Bajoran workers, that was a perfect example of, yes, him seizing an opportunity. But at the same time, then why take Talziar? I think because he wanted to make Kira like him. I, I really do think that. I mean, you know, it, it's so not— So in other, yeah, in other words, he figures, you know, he loses in the short term and he loses his position and then he, you know, will be able to gain it back, you know, as as he turns out he is able to grab the rungs of power again. But, you know, at the end then—but then again, at the end— Because again, the other, the other thing about a sociopathic person is that they yeah. don't think that anything bad is going to happen, you know? And so yeah. I think Gold Dukat is very surprised when things actually happen the way he told Kira they would happen. Because yeah. I think he thinks, well, I'm Gold Dukat, so they're all going to fall in line, and that doesn't happen. Yeah. You know, I think that's also why he's shocked that, um, you know, at the end of the episode when he calls the Datapa Council and tells them, hey, look at what I, this wonderful thing I did, and, you know, come back and be our military advisor, and we're going to have peace. He's like, I don't want that. Yeah. You know, he wants to go back on his own terms. He's being in a way – yeah, I guess that's true. It's it's not so much him getting his own promo, old position back as it is he's essentially being, if you know the phrase, promoted upstairs. Yeah. Yeah. He's, you know, being, as he says, he's giving a, given a military position in a time of peace. He's not going to do anything. He's going to be behind a desk. And I mean, to be clear, you know, I, I wasn't expecting to have this, you know, uh, uh, vehement of a reaction to DeGaulle Ducat in this episode. I just think it's, you know, mm. he is definitely a character that in this watch for me has really crystallized as just a flat out sociopath with no redeeming qualities. And I don't think he ever will have any. You know, I wrote a note in, in, in my notes for this episode where I said, is Gold Ducat been in therapy? Because <laughs> there's that scene where he gets snappy at Kira and then immediately apologizes. He's like, I'm sorry, I'm just frustrated. And it's not about you. And she's like, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah, no, he knows it's very dangerous for somebody sociopathic to go through therapy in some ways because then they learn the right things to say. But uh, yeah, I think that either of those interpretations might be correct. Either he's been in a little bit of therapy and he's now able to manipulate people more easily or 
I think that's really what it comes down to is that Gold Ducat is a master manipulator. Yeah. Well, it's very hard to say, though, what he's – again, yeah, I, I guess, again, maybe because it is Star Trek that I, yeah, I ultimately feel that there's something that he can do that's you know going to redeem himself. But I, I think – but you know. That that's the other thing. Like you know where this is all going, so uh nowhere good. <laughs> anyway. What what do you make of Kara in this episode though? Because I think that her She's not fooled for a second, yeah. yeah. And you know, because she and I you know, kind of disagree on, you know, where this is ultimately going. To me she comes off as a little, you know, too stubborn, but at the same time, you know, I'm prepared to have her, you know, being refused to be fooled, and you know, she's a lot smarter than me about this. I, I, I assume, yeah. I mean, I think that that's true. But but the other thing that I find interesting about Kira in this episode is that she so readily helps Ducat. You know, she's she's just in this with, with both feet. You know, she's not. Well, that th- you know, it's something that I've said about Ducat. You know, if your goals and his goals align. You know, he will be a good ally to just get this one mission done in terms of, you know, because, again, he's very capable. He's very competent. He has good, you know, he's resources. He knows, you know, he, he's not a bad guy to have in your party, you know, as long as you know not to trust him. And Kira knows not to trust him for a second. So I think she can. Her goal is to, you know, catch these Klingons who killed her own people, too. As long as Ducat's trying to catch these people, too, well, they can work together. I think that's. You know, I I think some of it comes from that. I mean, she talks about a lot of this, a lot of her in this episode is talking about improvising. You know, you may, you know, they don't have the best ship. They don't really have a cargo hold they can ha- that can do it. They don't have weapons that exactly fit, but they can make it work. So she's working with Gold Ducat. He's no one you can trust. He's not who exactly she'd choose to be in this kind of a fight with, but... That's where they are. That's what she's got. So I think she can. But at the same time, she's dating the head of the Bajoran government. And she was sent on this mission by him. Yeah. And she is acting as a representative of the Bajoran civilian government. You know, and so there and and I'm not saying that this is not inconsistent with with Kira's character. It is totally consistent with Kira's character. But I do think it's 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 interesting that Kira, as she's grown and developed and changed over the course of these three and a half seasons she definitely you know think back to um the episode from the first season progress where she has to go to the bajoran moon and get the old man off the off the moon because they're going to turn it into a you know an energy source essentially and that's really one of the first episodes where she realizes that you know she has a duty to Bejor in her role as a military officer that that is outside her own sense of of what's right or what she yeah, perhaps yeah, yeah. would like to do, and you know over the course of these the show that's definitely come to the fore more and more. She's definitely become uh, not an apologist for the Bajoran government, but she has definitely understood that you know she doesn't have all of the facts, she doesn't always have all of the information, and there are a lot of smart people in the Bajoran government that have goals and interests that don't necessarily align yeah. with what she personally would want to happen, but she doesn't really have a say in it because she's not a member of the government. And so she needs yeah. to go along with what they want to do. And this almost seems like an older version of the Kira character in a sense where she's, you know, going off half cocked and deciding to help the person that she hates the most well, in the world 
go murder some Klingons. <laughs> I mean, put it this way, you know, if Dukat is manipulating everybody, he is really good at manipulating. And even if, you know, Kira is 90% immune to him, this happens to touch a nerve, you know? that. Yeah, I think that's very <laughs> the, true. I, I don't think, you know, given her emotions at the time, uh, you know, understandably of, you know, seeing what just happened and, you know, the the excitement and the terror of you know they just got away from this Klingon ship like it's not that hard to bring her along she's half there on her own yes she, he just needs to gently nudge her and also she's not you know she's very clear and I think she's walking a very fine line in this episode that it, 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 she's not doing anything at least initially as di- she's not directly taking any sort of action against the the Klingons. Yeah, and I think she thinks they're going to capture them. She wants to capture them. It's you know Well, she- she's very very shocked when Dukat blows the ship up. Yeah. And I think that is the moment when she realizes that she's probably in a lot deeper than she realizes. Yeah, and that's fair. Maybe if he does you know went to be a Klingon, you know, capturer who you know would capture them and you know arrest them that would be one thing but at the end he's obviously going to try and you know he's going down fighting well i do wonder also like what she's going to say in her report yeah is she going to put any of this information in there you gotta wonder yeah you gotta wonder how much she would have said well you know he refused to you know and he you know i didn't really have a choice he flew the ship and followed the Klingons, but we captured them and I made sure that he didn't kill. You know, like, was that her intent in the beginning? I don't know. I don't know. And I think that... that Maybe, you know, try and, you know, contain as much damage as she could because she knew that he would. I mean, she's there. I think that she realizes that, you know, Dukat is not going to... Uh, turn around and take her back to deep space nine so yeah she she's there for the duration of this whatever dukat is going to do i think there is a degree to which kira is giving him advice and telling him to think and telling his crew to yeah. think more like a terrorist to save her own life yeah. essentially I, I i she doesn't want dukat to go off and try and take down a bird of prey with this tiny little ship with no real yeah. weapons and the other part of that, I think, is that she does appreciate and does enjoy um, the. I mean, this is something hearkening back to to the first season again, where she has that conversation with Kaiopaka and Kaiopaka mm. on the planet with the people that are dying and yeah, they yeah, keep yeah. coming back to life, the soldiers. And Kaiopaka is is basically saying, "Look, you need to heal from this. You need to move on from this. You know, you lived a life of violence for so many years, and now you're not." And I think this is where she's realizing that it's very easy to slip back into that as well. Yes, yes, yes. And that, but even if it's easy to slip back into that, she has changed because she is not going to murder the Klingons in cold blood. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a good episode. I don't know what's going to happen with this. I think the last thing we need to talk about before we wrap this up is is Kira and and Tora. Because... There's a couple of nice scenes between them. They obviously like each other a great deal. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know where that's going to go. I don't know what kind of relationship they're going to have. It's even yeah, hard to know like, exactly how old Tora is supposed to I be. I mean, yeah, I got the sense she was supposed to be, you know, some kind of a teenager. And she thinks, you know, Kira is, you know, Kira is 10 years older than her, let's say. And she thinks Kira is just so cool, you know. And she obviously, you know, thinks Kira is awesome. And, you know, Kira is, again, seeing herself and seeing that, you know, this is kind of a chance to give herself the life that she should have had. Well, I think, yeah, true. But I also think the other thing there, of course, is... 
I think this yeah. is Kira seeing an opportunity embodied in, in, a, in a Cardassian Bajoran person yeah. to, to start to show that Cardassians and Bajorans can really get along. And frankly, I don't think Kira's upset about the fact that, you know, now, now Toraziel is out of Dukat's sphere of influence. You know, she's, she's, with, well, the, she, yeah, she's I mean, with the Federation. She's going to be hanging out with Kira a lot. She's going to meet, you know, the main cast members that's going to be, you know, Toraziel is very, like, it's interesting because she knows she's naive, but she thinks she's naive in a different way than she actually is, you know? The scene when she's talking about the gun, she's saying, like, look, I'm not trained. I can't fight these soldiers, but I can be, so train me, you know? Rather than, and meanwhile, Kira wants her to not see this violence and this vigilantism as the way, you know, and... Well, yeah, because I think that, that you know, the other the other thing that's kind of uh, unstated in this episode, but I think that is quite clear, is Kira knows that she was lucky to survive yeah. the occupation. Oh, yeah. You I know, mean, she saw so many of her compatriots die. Yeah, either Toraziel is going to die, or she's going to have to change into uh, into something that, you know, Kira doesn't like herself being, and that she's... You know, again, she's trying to rescue Toraziel from having to make the necessary changes one needs to in order to live this kind of a life. Yes. In other words, she's going to have to become a sociopath like her father. In well, order and she's to... she's she's rescuing Tora from a, yeah. a life that that Kira doesn't want for Tora because she knows exactly how hard this life yeah. is. And I think it's a good thing that Tora is back on is on the station now. I mean, I think that. Oh yeah. I think they'll have a nice time. They'll have dinner together. You know, Cisco will come by and say hi. I mean, you know, it'll be it'll Aww. be nice. But Jake and Tora ZL. Oh, maybe. No, they they don't. Or maybe they do. Nog I don't know. And Tora ZL. Nog is in Starfleet Academy now. And he comes back. To you visit know that, his father, it doesn't and then Torziel is working in the bar because she needs a job, and that's you know how they meet. Yeah, sure. This you, is my fan fiction. I'm going to write it. Okay. Uh, you know, the, to go back to Crossfire for for just a minute before we wrap this this podcast up is that I, I think that one of the one of the things that maybe we didn't pick up on our conversation is that one of the ways in which, or one of the reasons why Shakar and and Kira are are getting together is perhaps because. Kira and Shakar understand each other yeah. in a very profound way that not a lot of other Bajorans can understand them. You know, That's true. certainly not. Certainly there were quite a number of Bajorans that were in the occupation. You don't drive off an occupying force by having 50 people in it. Yeah. But a lot of them are dead. You know, a lot of them are, are out of the life. A lot of them are, you know, not there anymore. And also the fact of the matter is there were large swaths of the Bajoran population, of course, that had nothing to do with, yeah. with the actual fighting of the occupation. If they, you know, they, there certainly there were farmers that were helping them, yeah. giving them food. There were, you know, all kinds of different uh, people on the planet. Children, that were other people, you know. Yeah. But the, 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 you know, two people of a certain age, of a certain attractive level, you know, well, it's, getting you know, together, it's, it's, you know, that we're both in the occupation, I think, is a, yeah. is a thing that probably is is pretty common. It's as she says, you know, he, she, he, he's seen her as at her grossest, you know, she's talking about, you know, running through sweaty and unshowered and, you know, covered in filth. But, you know, she can also just mean that, you know, we know what it's like to kill somebody, you know, and we both have the same yes. sins kind of and don't have to, you know. One thing I did notice about Crossfire, by the way, and this is just a very complete different side note, but um, they make a point to tell us that Eddington is on shore leave. And I think that's that alone 
we've talked a little bit about how you know TNG handled guest stars yeah. as opposed to DS9. Now, I mean, Eddington is a very minor character, he's the, but you know, I wouldn't have noticed if they didn't say anything about him. But it just gives a sense that you know they've thought about where everybody is at any time. You know, they have a general. If you know, a couple episodes ago, you'd ask something. Well, what's Ducat doing? Well, he's running a freighter, and yeah. you know. I, and I think that's just – I don't know. It's a nice sense of care in something. I don't like Eddington, but I know who he is. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the other thing too about that is is in Return to Grace, you know, it, 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 there's something that happens in this episode that sort of has payoffs much, much later down the road. And, you know, I like the mm-hmm. fact that you didn't even pick up on it. And I'm not going to say what Hang it on. is. Hang on. I'm going to look through my notes. <laughs> Oh, Richard's actually opening Growler right now. So that's not your notes, Richard. Oh, but I can tell you a lot about, you know, powerful men right now. Um, Yeah. So I think it's a, you know, both of these are, are, are good episodes. I think it's an interesting, you know, it's the show calming down after the events of the oh, yeah, yeah. from last week. But at the same time, you know, it's not like these were two. You know, you know. Sometimes we've seen. You know, there's been episodes of like our man Bashir, for example, didn't really have anything to do with the meta plot or anything, but was a light and fun episode. Except, I'm, except that, of course, the true way was introduced. The, in of course, well, they're the ones that tried to that's bl- true blow that, up the turbo lift la- in the crossfire. Well, so, that that you know. that's a very fair point. Yeah, yeah, they they are making their you know even light episodes have some kind of connection to the main plot, which is a very good example you know good economical yeah. storytelling but in general like these didn't feel like frothy little episodes to just breather after this like these were still still big events happened which also which also makes me realize that perhaps it would be interesting to do a patron special oh on the differences between the ways in which tng and ds9 do their world building okay you know, a- after we're done with ds9 oh in three years yeah not three years it'll be like another year or something like that oh man uh, yeah, so if you would like to go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash truckaboutshow, uh, and you can give us $5 a month or more, and you can get all of our patron specials. Don't and- wait till next year. Do it now because we're still recording them, and they're great. Uh, in the month of May, which is happening in just a couple of weeks, uh, we're actually going to be talking about uh, an alien race of Star Trek. It's the first time we're doing this. We try and like to mix up the patron specials a little bit. So the month of May, we're going to be talking about the Klingons. I will learn a few phrases in Klingon for it. <laughs> uh, kapla. Uh, so yeah, Ew. please please do go to patreon.com slash truckaboutshow and give generously. If you have any thoughts on this podcast, please go to the post for this episode of the podcast at truckaboutshow.com. You can find us on social media where we are truckaboutshow on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And finally, please leave us a positive iTunes review for Truckabout. And also don't forget, we have another season of Truckabout Presents happening right now. Tomorrow is Mulrats. Ah. All right, so next week we are actually... On the downslope of the fourth season oh already. Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, we still have like six episodes Remember to go. Remember how season two took forever? I know. I know. It was like a long time. Uh, we have six podcasts to go in this season, which is hard to believe. This is our seventh wow. already. I mean, it feels like we just did The Way of the yeah. Warrior. We're going to be talking about the episodes Son of Moog, <gasps> which might or may not be a Worf episode. Oh. Or it could be a Worf's brother episode. He's the son of Moog as well. Well, look at you with the big brain. Yeah, so it's Sons of Moog and Bar Association. <gasps> Which is probably Quark because he works at a bar. 
You're so good, Richard. I am. We'll talk to you then.